Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Amen. You can have a seat tonight. Thank you so much for showing up. Big house. If you're like, what is big house? Well, you're standing in it. This is the big house. This is the big house. Then we have little house watching on the screen. Thank you so much, little house. Give a shout out for little house and your house. We're so grateful wherever you are on your screen, on your phone, on your TV. Thank you so much for joining us for story and song, Pinewood's Christmas series that we're leaning into. And so tonight, we are going to lean into a story of a person by the name of Lottie Moon, a legendary missionary that we're going to uh, talk about her story. And then after I share a little bit about Lottie, we're going to be talking about Jesus, because Jesus is our message. We're always going to come back to Jesus, that Jesus is the center of the story of Christmas. I've been working uh, with our children. We have five kids, and we've been working with them to raise their perspective of what is the spirit of Christmas. What is the spirit of Christmas? What do you think of when you think of the spirit of Christmas? The spirit of Christmas. Maybe you think of Scrooge. And maybe you're thinking of Scrooge does not embody the spirit of Christmas because he's greedy. He's always selfish, always thinking about himself. Or maybe you're thinking of the elf. Why am I keep going back to movies? The best way to spread Christmas cheer, singing loudly for all to hear. And the spirit of Christmas may for you be how you can maybe serve others or be generous to others. Maybe some of you aren't nearly as selfless. Okay, so maybe for some of you, uh, spirit of Christmas is getting your favorite Christmas tree, uh, watching your favorite movies, drinking hot cocoa, not really leaving your house. The spirit of Christmas is, I don't know, what, is, what do you think of when you think of the spirit of Christmas? Gifts. Come on now. Getting gifts. Who doesn't love to get gifts? Receive gifts. I love gifts. If, if any of you are, like, your love language is gift giving, you know, I, my uh, love language is receiving gifts. So I think we would have a wonderful relationship. Thank you, Clark. Thank you. But actually, I believe that there is a higher uh, perspective that I want, that we're trying to even teach our kids. Every single day, our kids have asked us what we're getting them for Christmas or wanting to show us something online that they want for Christmas. And, and it is, this is not the spirit of Christmas. There's so much more to the story. We're trying to elevate our kids' perspective on really, really what is Christmas all about? And that's what I want to kick off today with. What is Christmas really all about? There's a reason why it's called the greatest story ever told. And tonight I want to, I want to share a part of that story. But first I want to talk to you about somebody by the name of Lottie Moon. Isn't that a cool name? Has anybody ever met somebody named Lottie? I think it's a cool name. On November 1st of 1873, so this is just a few, few minutes ago, she said this, the harvest is very great. The laborers are oh so few. Now, 24 years before she made that statement, the Foreign Mission Board 
now called the International Mission Board, which is a mission agency of a denomination called the Southern Baptist Convention. It was illegal at that time. It was not a part of their policy, not illegal. I mean, it was illegal, like state, no. It was, a part, it was not in their policy to send a single woman to the mission field. But Lottie believed that everybody, regardless of gender, had a part to play in advancing the gospel to all nations. Lottie also believed that every church had a part to play in advancing the gospel among all nations, regardless of their size, regardless of how many resources they had. How many of you believe that today? That every single person, every single church has a part to play in advancing the gospel all around the world. Lottie believed this as well. 102 years ago, the International Mission Board, the IMB, established what's called the Lottie Moon Offering. And this would be a Christmas offering that would be taken every year, and it would go towards foreign missionaries that are doing work all around the world to help people, to spread the good news of the gospel, to translate scripture, and to help meet felt needs. So for 102 years, all Southern Baptist churches all over the country have been taking up this offering. The International Mission Board has a little over 3,500 missionaries in it. And I like to think of these missionaries as the Navy SEALs of missionaries. If you've ever been involved in any type of international mission work, you've likely worked with a number of, you know, five different mission agencies. International Mission Board is one of those agencies. And these missionaries are absolutely brilliant. They go above and beyond in training them, in assessing them, and in sending them out. Uh, the ones that we've been able to, I've been to, I don't know, countless countries staying in the homes of these missionaries. And if, if you ask around to other missionaries, they'll say, oh yeah, we always go to them if we have any questions. They oftentimes speak five to six different languages. How many of you in the room today speaks five to six different languages? That's what I'm saying. Okay, they're brilliant people. Not only that, they are some of the most humble, some of those most kind and selfless people that you will ever meet. They also speak the heart language of the people that they're trying to reach. And every single IMB, International Mission Board Missionary, is working to help translate scripture into every heart language and is working to plant and multiply churches. This was the agency that Lottie Moon was a part of. And this is what Lottie Moon is working so hard to raise resources for. Lottie Moon, Charlotte Diggs Moon was her full name. Charlotte D. Moon was four feet and three inches tall. She was a giant woman from Virginia. She was a true Southern belle. She was born on December 12th of 1840. She comes from a very affluent family. So she would have, you know, if it was modern times, she would have been born in Boulder, you know, imagine a very bolder, very affluent. No, I mean, you guys are thinking, we're not affluent, okay? We're barely paying rent. What are you talking to? No, but she came from a very affluent, very wealthy family, and she got the best of the best education. She graduated from seminary at the age of 14 and went on to pursue higher education. She was proficient in Greek, Italian, French, Latin, and Spanish, and then she took up Hebrew. At the age of 18, 
right across the street from where Lottie was going to school, she heard of a revival meeting. And so she said that she was going to attend this revival meeting in order to mock it, make fun of what they were teaching. But there were a lot of people that were praying for Lottie by name. And when Lottie showed up to this revival meeting, she heard the gospel preached, a clear message of the good news of the gospel. And that night, Lottie Moon, Charlotte Diggs Moon, was born again. That night, Lottie gave her life to Christ. After some time, she had met some missionaries that were from China. And she would regularly donate money to their cause. At this time, churches and preachers would have never preached that a female could be sent to be a missionary all around the world. This was not, I mean, of all denominations, this was not a part of their practice to say that if you're a female, you have a part to play, we would send you out. But that didn't stop Lottie. She was a fiery woman. And in 1872, a separate organization that was born, women said, we're going to rise up. And if they're not going to send us, we're going to raise money. And we're going to send ourselves and we're going to send others. And this women's organization, also known as the WMU, Women's Mission Union, raised so much money that they gained an incredible amount of influence, cross-denominationally, but especially within the Baptist movement. And this was the movement uh, that Lottie was a part of. Her sister, Edmonia, aren't these cool names? Her sister, Edmonia, would later go on to be one of the first missionaries ever sent, one of the first Baptist missionaries ever sent out of the country. And while Edmonia was overseas, she wrote back to her sister, Lottie, and she said, Lottie, there's a lot of people that can do what you do where you are. There's not a lot of people that can do what you do here. And that began, that seed was planted in Lottie's heart, and she began to pray, what if? What if I said yes to go? And in February of 1873, Lottie heard a sermon of a pastor that had a missions heart where he pleaded for the people. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. We need more laborers. And she says, she would go on to say that that message was her call. She felt God calling her in that moment. She, she would say that it was clear as a bell that God was now calling, now calling her to be a missionary to China. She had a friend, Anna Stafford. She's a Presbyterian friend since the same call to go. And there were many remarks about Anna and Lottie that were said, that said this, a waste of such excellent women on the uncaring heathen. Why go to China when these good southern girls in Georgia need education so desperately? Even then, I mean, this is true even today, but even then you had Christians trying to tell people that they shouldn't go overseas to spread the good news of the gospel. What a waste of excellent women. Doesn't that seem so opposite from the command of Christ? Doesn't that seem so opposite from the teachings of Scripture? On July 7th of 1873, Lottie Moon was officially appointed an IMB missionary, and she was sent to serve in Ting Chow, where she would spend the next 39 years of her life. 
Ting Chau was surrounded by millions of people in villages that had never had access to the good news of the gospel. It was, uncom- it was common for foreigners to go overseas at that time in that area, and they would often call uh, these Westerners foreign devils. I love this story of Lottie. And in one instance, Lottie had these boys that were calling her a foreign devil. With adults, she was a little bit more patient, but with kids, she didn't have a high tolerance. And so she put these boys in their place, told them that they were being disrespectful. She made them sit down. She gave them a nice long lecture. And as the story goes, 30 minutes later, these boys were chanting Christian catechisms, and they were singing the hymn, Happy Land. Lottie Moon was known for being a traveling evangelist. There was one moment where she went to 44 different villages in 11 days. Lottie set up a school. She was an incredible teacher of the gospel. One man that Lottie started studying the Bible with named Lee Chow Ting came to Christ, and he would be one of the greatest evangelists in North China, baptizing over 10,000 people. Persecution was a growing problem. So here, let's just stop for just a second in our story, and let's just see some of the challenges that Lottie Moon had to overcome. First of all, um, she was a woman trying to be sent to be a missionary in a denomination and in kind of an era where that just wasn't a thing. So she had to overcome, I'm sure, lots of obstacles, lots of barriers, lots of criticism. Second of all, she had to actually be sent to go overseas, to have enough resources to go overseas. Then she had to learn a new language. And then once over there, being isolated, I mean, she was the only female. She had not a lot of community around. She had to overcome that obstacle as well. But then there was also persecution happening in the area, growing persecution happening in the area. And this is a problem for Christians. Christians were actually getting beaten up. And this is not uncommon. Hundreds of thousands of Christians are martyred every single year killed for their faith. And at this time, while she was over there, Christians were getting beaten for destroying these ancestral tablets. So they were, Christians were getting beaten when they would make uh, confessions of faith and when they would destroy their old idols. There's this one story of somebody coming to Lottie saying that there are these people that are about to be persecuted. Lottie showed up and she stood between the church and the persecutors. And she said, if you try to destroy this church, you will have to kill me first. Jesus gave himself for us as Christians, and I'm ready to die for him now. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand right now, how many of you would say that I have that level of faith? That I would probably do that. If somebody was making fun, if somebody was bullying Pinewood, if somebody wanted to beat Pinewood down, I would stand in the middle and say, you're going to have to take me out first. How, How opposite is it now? Usually, we're having to deal with friendly fire more often than persecution from the outside. But that's not how Lottie Moon saw it. She saw as the church as the Christ, Christ bride, the one for whom he died. And she said, if Christ died for the church, if he died for me, you're going to have to take me out to get to it. By 1912, Lottie was 72 years old. 1912, this is a little over 100 years ago. Lottie was 72 years old, and her health was in serious decline. 
Her body was broken down. Her mental health had taken a toll. You see, China in this time was experiencing a significant, experiencing a significant famine. And Lonnie's heart was so big for the people. She loved the people of China, and the people of China loved her. And she would see her friends and neighbors hungry, and she spent every dime that she had to feed them. She spent all of her time comforting them, consoling them. So much so that at the young age of 72, uh, when the doctors showed up to visit her, they say that she weighed just a little over 50 pounds because she had given so much of her resources and her life to those that were hungry. She, she said that China was her home and that she would never leave, but the doctor convinced her to come back home to America to try to get her well and to try to get her healthy again. But Lottie never made it to the States. On the journey over in Kobe, Japan, on Christmas Eve, December 24th of 1912, Lottie went to be with Jesus. And in her final hours, she's saying, Jesus loves me, this I know. With the missionary nurse accompanying her, and she made a final gesture in Chinese, welcoming somebody. As the nurse says, she was greeting an unseen guest, someone not in the room. I think we know who that might be. And there, Lottie passed away on Christmas Eve to be with her Savior, the one that she had spent her entire life making known to those that did not have access to the gospel and showing the love of Christ. She'd given everything. And I believe as we're considering the spirit of Christmas, something that we see in the life of Lottie was uh, she lived a sent life. She believed that Jesus was sent, and therefore he was sending us to be kingdom builders, world changers, advancers of the mission, the co-mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all nations. Another thing we see about the, the life of Lottie was that she believed that uh, she was here to serve and not to be served. She gave her life to serve others. She was a woman of great compassion. Even though she had a brilliant mind, her heart was so much bigger. She gave literally everything to serve others. And then another thing that we see in the life of Lottie was that she lived a life of great sacrifice. A woman coming from great affluency, coming from great education, yes, she could have done anything that she wanted to do. She could have pursued any career that she wanted to pursue. She taught for a season. She could have been a prolific, she, was all, she is a prolific writer, but she could have been a prolific writer. She could have done anything that she wanted to do. But she believed that her calling in her life was the greatest thing that she could accomplish, obedience to her father, and to sacrifice everything in this temporary world to follow the heavenly treasures that cannot rust and cannot rot. The example that Lottie follows, and honestly, I believe is a, a really good example for us to follow today, especially as we consider the spirit of Christmas and as we honor her memory uh, with taking a Lottie Moon offering this year, um, 
is, is, is all good, but Lottie was not leading this way so that we could follow her example. Lottie lived her life following the example that God gave through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to look at today, the three examples that Jesus gives us on how we can have the spirit of Christmas. Not gifts, not gifts, not traditions, not even your favorite Christmas movie with warm hot chocolate. But let's have a higher perspective. First example that we see is that God sent. We see this in John 3.16, a very familiar passage, but it says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What is Christmas all about? Christmas is all about God sending his son, Jesus, into the earth. It is the centerpiece of all of humanity. Jesus coming down. Fully God, 100% God, there in the beginning of the creation, God's son, Jesus, coming down to be born of a virgin and to become fully human and yet somehow fully God. Jesus did not just come to the earth to be an example. Jesus came to be our Savior. And this is what I want us to see in the greatest story ever told. The world was dark. We see in John 1, the world was dark. Humanity was broken. Sin was in the world. And the good news is that the light, the Savior, came down. Couldn't he have done it another way? No. He had to come, and he had to come the way that he came to save us from our sins, the only acceptable sacrifice. So we see that God is ascending God. So we sent his son. He sent the very best that he had. But what we see in Jesus' ministry is Jesus was praying for his disciples in John chapter 17, verse 18. I want to look at that real quick. John 17, verse 18. Jesus is praying for his disciples, and he says this. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So as we look at the spirit of Christmas, I think one of the examples that we have is that we're supposed to be an example of living a sent life. And we see that Jesus said, just as I have been sent, you have also been sent. Another example is found in chapter 20 when Jesus is, uh, this is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. In John 20, verse 21, he says, Jesus said to them again, this is him talking to his disciples, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Jesus is sending you out to be a light in the dark world. Just as the light came down from heaven, Jesus is sending you out. So I want to ask you, very simply, are you living a sent life? Are you being sent out? I also want to ask you, how are you being sent? I believe that for many of you, <clears throat> in this season, it looks a little different than being sent. Being sent to your couch is not living a sent life. <laughs> Being sent to your bed is not living a sent life. 
Being sent to isolation is not living a sent life. I want to ask you again, how are you living a sent life? I've asked myself that question a lot over the last several weeks, and one of the things that God keeps telling me is reach out to somebody, text somebody, call somebody. Even if you have COVID, guess what? You can still live a sent life. Why? Because you have people in your phone you can reach out to. Everybody's on Facebook. Everybody 40 and older is on Facebook. Everybody 40 and younger is on Instagram. Everybody 20 and under is on TikTok. So one way or another, you are all socially connected to a lot of people. Reach out to somebody. Encourage somebody. Do you know that people need more encouragement now than ever before? More light now than ever before? More hope now than ever before? Do you feel that? The good news of the gospel is that we have all of that in Jesus. And of all people to bring hope and encouragement to people, it should be the church being sent. Some of you in the space today, I believe, are called by God to be pastors and missionaries. I want you to think about this. Calling over career. Now, your calling may be your career, but what if your calling contradicts your career? Which one would you choose? You see, Lottie was deep into her career. She was a very prolific teacher. People loved Dottie. That's why they said, what a waste of excellent talent. But see, your calling was so much greater. What is God calling you to? I believe that some of you, God is calling to plant churches. Come on, man. This is 2020. 2020 I almost said 2021. I wish. Uh, this is 2020. This is Lottie, man. This is like 140 years ago. Different time, different era. I'd say you're wrong. Guess what? We're still sending missionaries all around the world. Pinewood is still ready to send you out wherever God is calling you to go, anywhere around the world. Maybe you just haven't taken a pause long enough. Maybe you haven't prayed into, God, where are you sending me? So I want to encourage you today. Go to God with a blank check. God, if you call me to plant a church, I'll do it. God, if you call me to be a missionary to an unreached people group, I'll do it. God, if you call me to be a marketplace missionary and to leverage my career for the glory of God, I'll do it. But are you giving God a blank check? Pinewood has the vision next year to start new locations all over the city. What if... God is calling you to help lead that initiative to launch new locations in our city. Are you living a sent life? Second example that we see is that God has called us to serve. In Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the beginning of this season, I prayed into, God, what are you having for our family? God, what do you have for our church? And I, the only word that kept coming to mind is serve, serve, serve. Show up for people. If you see a need, meet that need. And Jesus gave us the perfect example of this. Of all people who come into the world that should come in to be served. Wouldn't you think it would be the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Jesus ascending down from heaven, the creator of the universe. Wouldn't you think that he would be the one that would come down and be like, okay, serve me, king. 
but he came to serve. He gave us the perfect example of what it looks like to have ultimate servant leadership in our life. In 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it says, no one is to seek his own interest, but the good of the other person. How is God calling you to serve in this season? In what ways are you serving in this season? We had such a fantastic gift show up just the other day. We had some wonder bottles show up to our front door. Something so simple. Whoever you are, thank you. We love you. This is delicious, the wonder bottles. But you don't have to overthink serving people. There's so many needs in our community right now. There's so many needs with your neighbors. Something that is very simple, but something that my wife and I try to do and my family tries to do is we try to hang out in our front yard. Like, that's kind of weird. Well, like, we try to be in our front yard a lot. Why? Because our neighbors are also outside walking around. And I can't tell you how many times we're just lingering in our front yard and we end up talking to a neighbor, asking them how we can pray for them, finding little ways to serve them. Even just the other day, we were talking with our kids about who we can serve. And they brought up our mailman, Phil, who, if Phil's your mailman, you have one of the best mailmen. We love Phil. Our kids love Phil. Every time they see him, and the front yard, Phil's outside. And they all go running out. They give him apples, LaCroix. I don't, even, I don't know if he likes any of this stuff that we give him, but um, he's kind of become a part of our family. So we started thinking, how can we serve Phil in this season? There's so many opportunities to serve. What if in this season we lived a sent life, and what if we looked for opportunities where we could serve others instead of being served I think of Lottie, and I think of Lottie did not live a life that was filled with consumption, but compassion. And that's what I want us to think about, compassion over consumption. Isn't Christmas, doesn't it sometimes always feel like it's all about consuming? My kid's asking me every day, can I call this person and tell them what I want for Christmas? What are you giving me for Christmas? I want Christmas. I want Advent gifts now. My mom, who's watching, probably, I love you, mom, goes above and beyond with gifts. Uh, so much so, it used to be 30 days leading up to Christmas, she gave every single one of her grandkids a Christmas gift. It's called like Advent gifts. Now, do the, do, the, uh, do the math there. I think there's 18 grandkids or something like that, 30 gifts. I have no idea how this is possible. She's, minute, she's brought it down to 12. And so we have 12 gifts leading up to Christmas. And, and they're asking every day, is, is today a, a gift day? We're like, guys, it's not about that. But how, do, how often do we get sucked into Christmas being about consuming and not about compassion? How can I serve others? How can I meet others' needs? And then the final thing we see in the life of Jesus is that he demonstrated the ultimate sacrifice. And we see this in John chapter 15 in verses 12 through 13. He said, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. And and. This next part is important because when you think of the Christmas story, how many of you ever thought, couldn't Jesus have saved us anyway? Couldn't he have just said, uh, you know, salvation's open to all now. No need to send my son. No need to offer a sacrifice. But how many of you know, we know love because he demonstrated sacrifice. We would otherwise never even know true, unconditional love. This is what it says here in John chapter 15. 
verses 12 through 13, it says, This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Uh, any big movie buffs in here? Any people love movies? Think about the movie industry. Without the gospel, would there even be a Hollywood? The only movies that we like are the ones that give the ultimate sacrifice. It's nothing to give of your money. It's nothing to give of your resources. It's nothing to give of temporary things. But if you give your life for something, if you sacrifice everything, then maybe you really believe it. Maybe you really are demonstrating love. I was even, I had, I was preparing this sermon all this week and it felt like every single movie that I turned on, somebody was like, I will give my life. I was watching Green Lantern or something one night and he goes before the council. He says, I will give my life. It's a suicide mission. It's one I'm willing to take or something. And I'm like, this is the gospel. This is what Jesus did for us. They got this script from the Bible. Jesus said, I will go down and I'll sacrifice everything and I'll give my life so that they can have life, so that they can truly live. It's the greatest story ever told because it's the story of God become man. It's the story of God coming to humanity to save us from our sins and to give us hope and to give us life through his death, burial, and his resurrection. We see in Ephesians 5, 2, 5, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet aroma. We also know from Romans chapter 12 is that we are supposed to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God. So how in this Christmas season are you living out the spirit of Christmas? I would encourage you in these three areas. One, I would encourage you to live a sent life. Just as God was sent down in Jesus, I would encourage you, live a sent life. Be sent. Go be a missionary. Go be a a shepherd, a herder in your neighborhood of the gospel. Go be a light in the dark places of the earth. Second, I would encourage you in the spirit of Christmas to live a life of service towards others, not yourself. And then the third and final thing would be to sacrifice, to make great sacrifice. This year, we're going to ask you to do all of those things. We're going to be taking up what we're calling just Pinewood Christmas offering, but a big part of the Pinewood Christmas offering is, is we're hoping to raise $15,000 to the Lottie Moon offering. 100% of this offering, 100%. You're like, why are, you, why are you raising money again? Didn't you just raise $25,000? We did, 27000 to be exact. And we gave it all away, and we're doing it again. Now, this is above and beyond your normal tithes and your offerings. This is a sacrifice offering. That's going to go towards foreign missions, and we're also going to be a blessing in our community. How many of you know this lockdown has been incredibly tough for people in our community? The hospitality industry has taken a big hit, and we want to get behind them, and we want to serve, and we want to bless them. And so I want to invite you. We're going to be taking it over the next couple weeks all the way to the end of the year. So if you have any year in giving, if you just want to just go above and beyond, I want to ask you this pray about it. Every year, my wife and I, around this time, we always pray about it. 
And then at the same time, we'll look at each other and say, what's your number? What's your number? And it's always the same. I want you to spend some time in prayer, and I want you to ask God, God, what are you calling me to give to the Pinewood Christmas offering? And that offering is going to go to advance the gospel in some of the most unreached places all around the world, and it's going to go to bless our community. What, what difference can a life of obedience make? Somebody that lives out the principles of being sent, somebody that lives out the principles of serving others and sacrificing everything. Well, last year alone, the Lottie Moon offering raised $157 million towards mission work around the world to unreached places. Over the course of its 102 years, it has raised billions and billions of dollars. Last year alone, these resources fund 3,500 missionaries. They saw last year alone 89,000 new believers, 12,000 churches planted, and 3,000 unreached and unengaged people groups engaged. Pinewood Church believes that when God, when he, Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, and he says, go, take the gospel to all nations, make disciples of all nations, we believe that he meant that literal. And so we are going to be a church that not only sends people, but a significant amount of resources all around the world to advance the cause of Christ, especially to the most unreached and unengaged people groups of the world. I just finished a meeting with some um, pastors and some leaders, and they shared that in our lifetime, we are going to see every scripture translated in every language in our lifetime. There's a plan for it. We're working towards it, and you can be a part of it. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet? We're going to have a song of response. During the song of response, we always want you to pray and to lean in how God may be calling you to obey the message that you heard. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Lottie, the example that she gave of being relentless with her calling, all in on the mission. But God, we don't stop at Lottie. We look beyond at your son, Jesus. And we say that we want to follow his example. We want to live a sent life. We want to obey his command, his calling on our life to live a sent life. We want to, we want to follow his example to, to serve others and not to be served, and his example to lay down our lives, to be living, living sacrifices, holy and acceptable before you, Father. So, Father, we submit to your authority, your rule over our life. You are king. So, Father, whatever you call us to, we give you a blank check. We will obey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.